Have you ever been part of a team that just works incredibly well together? There was this sales team that I knew when I was in corporate America, and they called on one account. It was about seven people. And each one of the seven people had a specific role on the team, and they did it incredibly well. One person kept all the spreadsheets on the account. There was another person who was just phenomenal at negotiating. There was somebody else who was really good at following up on getting product delivered, and someone else who did the marketing and promotions part for the account. And they worked really well together, and they worked really, they, they worked hard, and they were phenomenal. Well, then when the company was going to be merging with another company, one of the people on the team just got really discouraged and thought, that's it. We're going to be replaced. We probably won't have a job. And he just kind of quit doing anything. He just decided he was going to cruise until his job was going to be gone. And this affected the entire team. All of a sudden, they were disoriented and disorderly and discombobulated, and they just couldn't do anything. And so they, they couldn't rely on this guy, and so they were trying to take up his stuff, and the people got resentful, and then this guy started talking about other people in the company and started creating rumors, and pretty soon they were believing things that weren't true, and the whole thing just totally disintegrated. From the Cracker Jack sales team to the worst bad news bear people you can imagine. And it was all because this one guy decided he was going to give it up. He was going to quit. He was going to stop doing something. Now this is the situation that Thessalonians are in when St. Paul writes them this letter. is that some of the community has decided to quit. They believe that Jesus is coming back, the world is going to end, so there's just no reason to go on and do the work that they had been doing and what they had been called to do. And so what this was causing in the community is the exact same thing that happened to this sales team. The idleness of these people was creating a disorder amongst the, the church in Thessalonia. And they were being, as we heard in that reading, busybodies, and they were, they were talking about other people in the church, and they were creating a rumor mill, and all of a sudden the whole community had just kind of disintegrated. And they weren't able to do anything anymore. And St. Paul is saying, no, no, no. We worked when we were there, not because we had to work, not because you weren't willing to show us hospitality, but we worked because we were setting an example. That although we have been saved by Jesus, he's not going to come riding in on some white horse and pluck us out and take us away. We still live in the world. We still need to work as a community. It had caused a, a big problem, and St. Paul needed to write and tell them, you can't give it up. Martin Luther, there's a great quote from Martin Luther about this. He says, if he was told the end of the world was going to be tomorrow, he would plant a tree today. Now, wow, what a context for keeping going and not giving up. 
I was thinking about this sermon. I went down to Brentland yesterday, and there's like this 95-year-old lady knitting chemo caps sitting in the living room. She hasn't given it up. At convention, we had Marge Corwin do a reading. Now, Marge Corwin goes to church down in St. Luke's and Branchport. She's 100. She did this reading, and I went to her to practice her reading, and I said, Marge, tell me, what is it like to be 100? She says, oh, Julie, she says, you know, I've been working to get to be 100 for a long time. <laughs> she says, now that I'm there, I realize it's not an end, it's a new beginning. I have to decide what I'm going to do next. She's 100! <laughs> we cannot stop, we cannot quit. We have to keep going. And as we heard St. Paul say, brother and sisters, don't weary about doing what is right. So the gospel today, we hear in Luke's gospel that this temple will probably be destroyed, nation against nation, family against family, you're going to be persecuted, you're going to be names, are going to, you're going to be called names, all this stuff is going to happen to you, but yet you have to stand up anyway. That we still have to continue on, that we still have to, that actually what Jesus says is, it's an opportunity to testify in the midst of all of this horror. Now, this gospel was being written to a, a community where the temple had been destroyed, where they had been being persecuted, where they were fearful that they were going to die. And it's an exhortation that in the midst of that, in the midst of severe crisis, we still have an opportunity to testify to the gospel. Now, we don't have that fear of this church being destroyed by an army or being persecuted or worrying about dying for our faith. But in today's world, we have a huge opportunity to testify against the false prophets that Luke talks about in the gospel. And the false prophets are the people out there saying that the church has no meaning today, that God does not exist, that what life is really about is having the right car, right house at the right time, that you can lose 10 pounds in two weeks and eat anything you want. I mean, these, this, is, this is what the messages that we hear, that life is about being as happy as you possibly can for the most time that you possibly can, and that you shouldn't have to suffer and things should always go right, and that that's what life is. And all we have to do is figure out the key to happiness, and depending on what product's being advertised, that's it. But that isn't what life is like. That's what none of us have experienced life as being. And what the bishop says is, we have a different narrative than the world. The church has a different narrative, and our narrative is the gospel. Our narrative, narrative is the love of Christ for all people. Our narrative is the kind of narrative that makes us do ridiculous things because we think somehow we can make a difference, because the gospel has given us that idea. There are many, many people starving in India who don't have the level of education, don't have hope for education, the untouchables. 
So last night, what living in the gospel narrative means is that we decide to have a fundraiser to make a difference. And I can remember sitting at the vestry meeting and the idea coming up, oh, let's have a dinner for 100 people here at St. Peter's. And I went, what? <laughs> didn't intimidate some of the vestry members. I personally was intimidated, but Sid didn't seem to think it was a big deal. And there were a couple other people on the vestry who said, yeah, sounds like a good idea. Cooking is not my thing. So somehow, at 9 o'clock, people showed up at this church and they set up the whole parish hall for 100 people and they worked all day cooking with Rosia to create an Indian dinner for over 100 people. Now, I did come and volunteer, like other people who came and volunteered. They sent me to the store. <laughs> it's probably a good move on their part. I felt like I was helping. But it was an amazing thing because it was like the first team I talked about where everybody was using the gifts that they had and somehow this, this dinner miraculously came together. And it got served and it got cooked and it got cleaned up. And we raised probably, I'm estimating, about $850 for these young women in India that we can make a difference that when we work together, we can make a difference. And the cool thing was that those 100 people weren't just us having dinner together, just us alone, the St. Peter's family. There were people here that came because they saw it in the paper. I couldn't believe it. I sat down to talk to one guy. He teaches math at MCC. It's like, wow, how'd you find out? About I read it in the paper. And they showed up. It's an amazing thing. And they felt welcomed. And there was a wonderful energy. And, and it's the gospel narrative that lets us do this kind of thing. The church is living. It's a living, breathing, incredibly wonderful member of this community, this church. And it's a testimony that no matter what's going on, tsunamis, earthquakes, hurricanes, the diagnosis from the doctor, the loss of a job, whatever it is, there's a different narrative than the one the world brings to us. And that's the narrative of love for all people through Jesus Christ. So do not be weary, brothers and sisters. Do what's right.